0: welcome 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 into moments of genius here on cmru.ca by students for you my name is peter roman and this is episode 25 of the quarantine edition of my show can't believe it's been 25 episodes pretty crazy today's sports lineup i want to talk a little bit about nba trade rumors i want to talk about the premier league recap from this past weekend and I'm also going to talk, of course, about week NFL Week 8, but I am going to start today with a non-sports topic, and it's not going to be that long. I'm going to maybe talk about it for about four minutes, so if you just want to listen to me talk about sports, you can skip ahead about four minutes. But really quickly, I do want to talk a little bit about the big event happening south of the border, also known as the United States American Election. So... First of all, from a sporting perspective, I'm glad to see there's lots of sports teams that have lended out their stadiums for use to as voting stations essentially. So people can go vote in NFL arenas and NBA arenas, stuff like that, which is great because any kind of voter suppression is awful. And the fact that it's, you know, the fact that it tends to happen in especially a country like the united states that's supposed to be you know quote-unquote freedom but yet they're trying to suppress people's right to vote is a little bit silly to me but it is a good thing you have sports teams stepping up especially during a time of covid where long lines have been nothing but the nor sorry long lines have been just the norm in that country so good to see those things happening but obviously You know, everyone's going to talk about the presidential race, right? Biden and Trump. And, you know, that has a lot of ramifications, of course, for just every, basically every country that lives because, you know, whether we like it or not, the United States is still really important as far as, you know, big UN global leader and obviously member of the G7. They're on the Security Council. They have veto. The United States has a lot of power, and so that's why their election tends to mean a lot. And, you know, when you think about all the stuff that's happened over the last four years, and I really hope that today is a show of common sense. Today, I hope today is a show of strength because the Donald Trump White House has been nothing short of disastrous and they constantly like i was a history major before i switched into broadcasting and you know in learning about some of the fascist really right wing extreme right wing like dictatorships and a lot of that and obviously you know the united states isn't a dictatorship but a lot of the tactics that the trump campaign uses is very similar in the sense of they try and put a ton of distrust in anything that's negative against The candidate or the party right the minute you say something negative about Trump you always get a fake news comment no no matter how correct it is type of thing right there's always that kind of anger towards anything negative said about Trump and that tends to brainwash people when their only source of news comes from Facebook so there's definitely that element to it for sure and I'm not saying Joe Biden's a good candidate. I don't think he is, but certainly a more status quo normal candidate as opposed to Trump, who, well, (laughs) if you look at the death count of COVID-19 in the United States, I think that says a lot about his administration. But nonetheless, I do want to say finally, just to recap the, just to cap this off, I guess, is that voting is really important. And I don't care what country you live in. If you have the right to vote, please go vote because even if it's not right, the United States isn't a proper democracy, just like Canada is not a proper democracy, but you still have the right to vote in Canada. You still have the right to vote in the United States. And so it's still important to go vote, even if, you know, the electoral system should be way more democratic and it's really not that democratic in the U S and it's not that democratic in Canada, but it's still important to vote because you can still make your voice heard even though I think the voice should be be able to be heard a lot better. But that's my little spiel about that. So to anyone who can vote, please go vote. I don't care what election it is. If it's a municipal election, if it's a you know provincial election, if it's a federal election, if it's a state election, I don't care. Whenever you get a chance to vote, please vote. Voting, super, super important. Okay, that's my little... American election spiel, on to the sports stuff. So NFL week eight recap. So last week I kind of did my halfway point update. And so this week I'm going to go back to recapping every single game. And I have a little more time this week to spend on each game. So I will try to do that for the important ones. I'll start with the Thursday night game, which ultimately doesn't really mean a lot for the NFC standings, but Atlanta did win this game 25 to 17. They actually hung on to a lead, finally, this season, and so the Falcons have now won six of their last seven against Carolina to move to two and six. Carolina moves to three and five. This game, though, unfortunately, I think is a little bit, like, there's a little bit of an asterisk to this game because Teddy Bridgewater got cheap-shotted and taken out of the game. He came back later on, but when Carolina loses a player like Bridgewater, who's played so well for them... It's a little bit difficult to judge the game for its full merit when that happens. Because obviously you never want to see injuries. But Atlanta held on to a lead. And I guess they deserve credit for that at least. Both these teams though, not going to be in the playoffs. Alright, on to the Sunday morning games. I'll start with the Patriots and the Bills. So last week, I did say that New England was facing a must win. And it feels really weird to say that because... The Patriots have never faced a must-win game in Week 8. But here we were, the 2-4 Patriots against the 5-2 Bills and Buffalo for the first time since 2011. Now think about this. Buffalo is the home team. They had not beaten the Patriots since 2011 on their home field. And they did it this past Sunday. 24-21, Cam Newton was driving down the field late. Patriots had a chance to tie the game, and Newton running to about the 15-yard line and lost the ball and fumbled it, and in the process, fumbled any hope at the playoffs for the Patriots this season. New England plays the Jets this upcoming week, which, you know, is about as good a matchup as you can get to get back in the win column, but just looking at that Patriots schedule, I don't see any way they get to nine wins, and I have trouble seeing them get to eight wins, to be honest. Buffalo has not been very good over the last few weeks, but they found a way to win today. Or, um, on yes, they found a way to win on Sunday, I should say. And so they deserve a little bit of credit for that, but the Patriots, they miss Tom Brady. Let's just say that. All right, next game, Titans and Bengals. This was very much a surprise, I think, to most people this week. Cincinnati won 31-20 to as Joe Burrow... I don't know how like he's been so impressive to me and I realize that Justin Herbert maybe flashes a little more talent than Burrow does and you know two has only played one game so far but considering who Burrow is playing with because he has next to no help in Cincinnati he has like a couple okay receivers but he has no offensive line and with Mixon out he didn't really have the best running back and it's just Burrow's finding a way to play well and Cincinnati's 2-5-1, which is a lot better than I thought they would be, so credit to the Bengals, they they really played well in this game. Tennessee, though, Ryan Tannehill was not good in this game, their defense was not good in this game, and the Titans are in a bit of a funk right now, and their next opponent is as well, so it'll be a get-right game for somebody, but I'll get to that in just a minute. The next game, Raiders and Browns. So this game was very much affected by the elements because the wind was so crazy. If you haven't seen, there's a really funny video about the Raiders kicker who missed a field goal because he swung it like his kick. So he kicked it to go to the right hand side and the wind literally pulled the ball all the way to the left to hit the upright and out to keep. The Raiders from scoring like a 40 yard field goal so it was tough sledding for both teams but ultimately the Raiders made plays when they needed to and they won 16 to 6 because Baker Mayfield and I realized you know this was never going to be a game where either team was going to score 30 points but Baker Mayfield tends to not play well when he's not playing the Bengals don't love that so anyway good win for the Raiders very much in the hunt for a playoff spot in the AFC. Colts and Lions this game dominant win by Indianapolis 41 to 21. The Lions just couldn't run the football in this one and Indianapolis just tore apart that defense. As to how Matt Patricia still has his job after the 7th straight home loss for the Lions, I don't know. It's a good question. Next game, Vikings and Packers. Another surprising result this week. Minnesota won 28-22 because Dalvin Cook pretty much won this game by himself, if there is such a thing, because he had four touchdowns in this game, one receiving touchdown and three rushing touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, by the way, on my fantasy team. So, you know, feel, feel pretty good about that, not going to lie, that dalvin cook on my fantasy team kind of carried the way to my victory this week but nonetheless minnesota just the better team green bay got run over again which has to be concerning for them because this is not the first time that this has happened to the packers so they have a lot of soul searching i think to do for this green bay team because they're pretty good but i have real concerns about them in the playoffs for Minnesota, it's more just kind of a, a feel-good win. They're not making the playoffs this year. All right, the next game I will spend very little time on because it's very easy to explain. So it's Kansas City versus the Jets. And this game can be summed up very simply. Patrick Mahomes is really good. The Chiefs are really good. And the Jets are really bad. 35-9. Rams and Dolphins. Now, this game was very interesting because Tua Tungavailoa made his first Ever NFL start for the L sorry, for the Miami Dolphins, and the LA Rams basically decided that, you know, eh, who cares if a rookie quarterback's on the other side. We're just gonna lose the game ourselves. Jared Goff. Man, okay. There's a lot of people who like defending Jared Goff, and they give him every single excuse in the book. But at some point, if you're constantly having to de- having to defend somebody playing so badly they just might not be that good and this is not the first time we've seen this from Jared Goff we see this every year and we see this like quite honestly almost on a weekly basis Jared Goff is just not good but people still try and claim he is they try and defend him for things that at this point it's like okay no you're you're making excuses for a guy who clearly just isn't that good. That That's what it is. The Rams, he had four turnovers in the first half, two fumbles, two interceptions that led to Miami points. And the Dolphins won this game really easily. Tua didn't look that great, but he didn't really have to be. Miami, again, kind of won this game in the first half. so I think we'll learn a lot more about Tua next week when they play the Cardinals alright the next game on to the afternoon slate we have the Saints and the Bears so this game I mean okay this game was a little frustrating because the Saints do something really well which is you know a lot of short passes screens runs all that stuff they do that really well but it's pretty obvious what they're gonna do like the Saints offense is not that tough to figure out they're pretty easy And the Bears, which actually the Bears have good players on defense, their coaching staff didn't do any homework in this game. It's pretty obvious that the Bears coaching staff lost them this game because they didn't scheme properly. They didn't game plan properly. And Matt Nagy insisting on running the football when his team had like a minute left in the game on like a first down after they got some momentum on a fourth down conversion is just insane to me. I can't really explain it to be honest like it's it really is just baffling for Chicago with uh, their performances over the last little bit but they play Tennessee next and so if there's a get right game for Chicago it's against the Tennessee Titans for the Saints another unimpressive win but they're looking pretty good for a playoff spot and they could still very much win that division. They got the big Sunday nighter coming up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, 49ers and Seahawks. So this game, Seattle, like the score is a lot closer than what it actually was. Seattle won this game very easily. 37-27 to 27 was the final, but they were up really big in the fourth. Russell Wilson continues to be the MVP of the season. San Francisco, though. The big story coming out of this game is that the Niners are out of players. Because George Kittle, it was confirmed he broke a bone in his ankle. And according to Adam Scheffner, he is now out for basically the rest of the regular season. And that's assuming the Niners even make the playoffs, which at this point seems very unlikely. Because their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, also got hurt. He suffered a high ankle sprain, which means Garoppolo's out minimum six weeks. So... the 49ers are out of players like this is really concerning for them they're just out of players at this point seahawks moved to six and one and in the driver's seat right now in that division so the other few games chargers and broncos if there's a team you know as bad as atlanta blowing leads is definitely the chargers because this game oh man chargers looked really good and then they weren't, and Drew Locke let the Broncos back. And so the Chargers need the culture change because this is not good for them. The other morning game that was really notable that I'll get to here is the Steelers and the Ravens because I'll talk about the Eagles game just afterwards. But Steelers won 28 24. This game was really close but it shouldn't have been, to be honest. I think Baltimore is probably still better than Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh found a way to win, and they deserve a ton of credit for that. And their defense was really good in this game. But Lamar Jackson was really bad in this game. I'm concerned about the Ravens, because I, I know they're a good team, but I don't think Baltimore's capable of winning these big games. Lamar Jackson might be a Tony Romo. And I don't mean that in the sense that, like, Tony Romo never won an MVP. Like, I get that Lamar is a better player than Romo, and they're very different players. But Tony Romo struggled in these big, you know, emotional games where the team, you know, kind of needed a win. And Lamar Jackson struggles in these big, emotional games where the team kind of needs a win. Jackson just might not have what it takes to play in big games. So... We'll find out. He's still young, right? And, you know, just because a player displays something earlier in their early in their career doesn't mean they can't change it. Alex Ovechkin's a great example of a player that early on very much wouldn't step up in big games, but then did later on in his career. So it can change, right? This is not permanent. But it would be concerning if I was a Ravens fan. Good win by the Steelers, though. I don't know. Steelers are weird to me. I know they're undefeated, but it still feels like they have a lot of holes in their team. But I gotta give them credit. They find ways to win. And they're they're still the top team in the AFC right now. At least on record, anyway. Cowboys and Eagles. Oh, man. Wow. So, how do I describe this game? Well, first of all, any game involving NFC East teams tends to suck. And... Philadelphia shouldn't have won. I'll put it I'll put it right out there for everyone to hear. Philadelphia should not have won this game. And I'm an Eagles fan, but they were terrible and Carson Wentz. Oh my goodness, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. Um Does he not realize that like you know just, uh, it's the same mistakes like that's I don't know like does he not realize that holding onto the ball too long and trying to force something into double coverage is a bad idea or does he really think those are good ideas because again today he hangs onto the ball way too long and then he makes bad decisions with the ball like, Wentz is just so frustrating, because you see he makes good plays on occasion, and then he just makes the stupidest mistakes possible. And he got lucky, because Philadelphia was playing Dallas's third-string quarterback, and if that wasn't the case, Philly would have lost. But they were playing the Dallas third-string QB. But, I would, like, honestly, though, if Philly plays like that, they're not beating anybody in the league except maybe the Jets. Like, it was so bad. Carson Wentz, he's got to be better. It's as simple as that. He's got to be better. Okay, and the last game, Buccaneers and Giants. Tampa Bay won this game a lot closer than I thought they would, 25-23. to 23. I got to give, as much as it hurts my soul a little bit, I'll give credit to the Giants. Their secondary played really well in this game. They... Like, like, there was just nobody open for Tampa Bay in this game. The secondary for the Giants covered up extremely well. Their coaching staff clearly did their homework. Their game plan was exceptional. They just weren't as talented. They just weren't that good. And Daniel Jones, well, Daniel Jones is basically Carson Wentz's stupid mistakes without the good throws (laughs) is kind of what he is. So, in that sense you know, Tampa Bay, certainly a little lucky to escape with a win, especially considering they didn't play that well, but it certainly felt like a game that Tampa Bay was looking ahead to Sunday night against the New Orleans Saints, but we'll have to wait and see. That should be a good game next week, by the way. Tennessee-Chicago, I think, is also interesting because these are two teams in terrible slumps. Something's got to give for one of those sides. All right, that's the end of my NFL stuff, so on to Little Soccer, the Premier League. We have Arsenal defeating Manchester United for the first time in a long time at Old Trafford. They won for the first time in four, excuse me, 14 seasons. They won the game 1-0 on a penalty from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Paul Pogba made a really stupid challenge on Hector Bellerin in the box. And Arsenal were able to convert. So, Arsenal are now ninth in the table. Because <laughs> the Premier League table is really weird this year. At least to start with. Newcastle, meanwhile, defeated Everton. Which means Everton have now lost back-to-back games. With a loss 2 nothing to Southampton. And a loss to Newcastle. Which is not good for Everton. Although, I think we all knew Everton weren't really title contenders. But this is certainly not a good run of four for them. not a good run of form for them and so they need to find a little bit of that magic they had going on earlier in the season but not a great few weeks for Everton the other notable game Leicester and Leeds so this game was exciting but any game Leeds plays exciting because Bielsa was their coach Leicester smashed them though and Leicester just I think they did a fantastic job in picking out the space in that leads defense because the problem with Bielsa's system other than exhaustion is you know he believes in an all-out attack I'm gonna score more goals than use type of playing style and if you're able to exploit that defensively right where they're gonna have holes in the defense there's gonna be space to go into if you can exploit that then you can score a lot of goals yourself and that's what Lester did a really good job of in this game and they are now second place in the table with The back-to-back wins now. They'll win against Leeds and the previous win against Arsenal. Liverpool are still top of the table, although they got Man City coming up. Should be a great game on Sunday. Can't wait for that one. Liverpool, it's pretty obvious they miss Van Dijk a lot, but there's nothing they can do about it. And they're down Fabinho as well at centre-backs. So, it's... uh, The Premier League table is really close right now because Liverpool's first and they have 16 points. But if you go all the way down to ninth. Or even tenth, go down to tenth with Manchester City, who have 11 points. That's a five-point gap. That's nothing. That's two games. So, very excited to see how this Premier League table shapes up. The one thing we do know is Sheffield United are not very good. Burnley are not very good this season. Both of them only have one point all season. It was a one-one tie with Fulham for Sheffield, and it was a nil-nil tie with Burnley. Oh, sorry, uh, with West Bromwich Albion. Uh, my apologies for Burnley. So, West Brom, by the way, only three points on the season. They have three ties. So, the bottom of the table is not too good. But, basically, anywhere from, like, 12 to 1 is very close right now. So, should be exciting, nonetheless. And, finally, the last thing I wanted to get to today, NBA trade rumors, just really quickly. So, there was a report that came out today that I guess the Philadelphia 76ers are looking to trade for James Harden. Daryl Morey just became their president of basketball operations, so I guess that kind of makes sense. I'm just, I'm a little confused by that because I don't think there's a trade that makes sense. Because, like, Harden going to Philadelphia would be okay if Embiid went the other way, but I don't know why Houston would even want Joel Embiid because that wouldn't make a lot of sense to me because I don't think the fit between him and Westbrook would be that good. If you sent Simmons the other way, you'd have to trade Westbrook because Simmons just can't shoot at all and he needs to be the distributor on that, on the floor for the Rockets. But then if you sent, you know, Simmons out, then you lost the defensive presence he brings as well. I don't know, like I just, I kind of get why the rumor exists. I just don't understand the fit. I'm, I'm struggling to understand how the fit would work with that and then the other couple of trade rumors is just the Golden State Warriors and the Minnesota Timberwolves seem pretty intent on trying to shop their number one and number two overall, number two overall draft picks in the upcoming NBA draft. If I'm Minnesota, I kind of get it because there's not really a player that really fits with the Wolves, especially considering they have two stars in Towns and Russell who already don't play defense and none of the big you know, prospects really play a lot of defense. For Golden State it's a little bit different though. I feel like Golden State should stay where they are and pick the player. Because they can get a young player who can come in, give them fresh minutes, and more importantly, he can grow and become the star player that, you know, I think the team would want him to become because of the Golden State culture. And he won't be expected to carry the load at all because they have Steph and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins. So I would say for Golden State, I almost think it's better if they keep the number two pick, unless you can get, like, a really big star. For the Wolves, definitely I would try to trade the number one pick, and it's just because I don't see a good fit there for anybody with Minnesota. But nonetheless, that is a wrap to my NBA segment. So that's all I got for today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to my show. And so once again, be happy be healthy, stay safe, everybody.